0: Today I want to talk to you about the very purpose of prayer. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us find it difficult to pray. I think we go into prayers with great intentions, and, and when, we, 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 when we go to pray, I know we know we have to pray. But I think for most of us, when we go to pray, we settle down to pray maybe in a position or whatever, and I think a lot of us, after two minutes, we, we start trailing off into something else. I think we, 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 we start off praying about stuff and with great intentions, but after two minutes, we get bored. After four minutes, we're planning something else, and our own mind has gone way off track. Maybe that's not you, but that's definitely me. And I believe that's the vast majority of other people too. We have great intentions in prayer, but when we go to pray, it's difficult. It's not easy. We, 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 we lose our train of thought. We start praying for a few things and then all of a sudden we're praying for the dog or we're praying for the cat or we're praying for some other thing random that just dropped in my spirit there. I pray that they, they, they don't cancel Emberdale or something like that. You know, I, I think that's the way a lot of us go. We start praying for... I pray Liverpool get beat sometime eventually. You know, I think that's the way we go in a prayer. We, we start off with good intentions. We know we need to but then we end up, after two minutes, not knowing what to pray for. And that's not the way it's meant to be, you know. God never meant prayer to be hard. Yeah, never meant prayer to be difficult. He never meant us to be frustrated in prayer. He didn't. So why do so many of us who love God, genuinely love God, struggle so much in our prayer lives? You know why? Because John eight forty four tells us that the devil is a liar and he is the father of all lies. Right. Amen. And he'll do everything in his power to try and stop you from communicating with your Father God. Yeah. He's a communication blocker. Yeah. During the um, Cold War, back in the 60s, the Allied forces were all still based in Germany and all around that area. And what they would used to do is they used to set up radio stations in the likes of Germany and Austria and places like that. And, and they used to beam... Uh, propaganda i suppose western propaganda into the eastern bloc into russia and ukraine and countries like that in their language you know trying to get the people of of this area to realize that you know what this is not right this is what what the soviets and what the communists are doing is not right but what the russians would do in turn is they would block that signal they would go on the same frequency as what the allies in germany's we're trying to beam the, the good news into the eastern block and they will go on the same signal and they will put a higher frequency signal on that same frequency to block the message that was being sent from the west and i believe this is what the enemy does in our lives he goes on our same frequency that we have with communicating with god and he blocks our communication with god because he's a liar amen the father of all lies. See, when God created Adam and Eve and dropped them in the garden, the the word of God says that God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day and talk, communicate. And that used to drive the devil mad. It drove him crazy. Now, we don't know how long that Adam and Eve were in the garden before they sinned, before they fell. It could have been six days. It could have been six weeks. It could have been six years. We just don't know. But for all of that time, the enemy was drove mad. And he devised, he, 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 devised, he said, if I don't cut off this communication between man and God, if I don't damage it in some way, they're, they, they're, there's nothing that they won't be able to do. Nothing will be impossible for them. So he did. What did he do? He tricked them. He lied to them. He got in on the same frequency that they were communicating with God with and now he started to communicate lies to them. Just like the Soviets did to the Eastern broadcasts. Communicated lies. This is what the enemy did. And when he communicated lies to them, Adam and Eve believed the lie and they fell. Communication was broke off between man and God. And ever since then, Ever since then, we've had a difficulty with our communicating with God. It's crazy. It's crazy. But here's the thing. If you, like me, find it difficult sometimes to communicate with God, find it difficult sometimes to pray, find that when we start to pray that we start to trail off after three or four or five minutes, you're not on your own. The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, was in my boat. Now maybe you feel a little bit braver to say that. Maybe you trail off too. The Apostle Paul was in the same boat. He said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, he said, We don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. We don't know, he said, what we should pray for. And he said, even in that, we don't know how to pray. So if Paul and I am in the same boat, I think it's easy for us to admit that Every one of us, I think, are probably in that same boat. We can all get better at praying. Amen? So what's the purpose of prayer? What what is the purpose of prayer? You know what the purpose of prayer is? Communication. Simple as that. It's communicating with God. As I said, back in the garden, you know, back in the garden, God didn't set up a whole structure in the garden where God had this big platform this big high platform with a throne on it, a little bit like Thanos. God didn't do that for Adam and Eve to come to him, for Adam and Eve to bow down and before him and prostrate themselves before God and, and worship God from a lowly position. God didn't do that. The Word of God says that God walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. I mean, I have this picture in my head of God walking through the garden and Adam and Eve walking through the garden beside him, talking with him. Asking him questions. Loving on him. they loving on each other. It was a relationship. The relationship that we need to have with our God in prayer is that of one communicating with each other. Talking with each other. How will you ever better get to know God unless you communicate with him? Amen? But see, I think we've all... I think we've all been sold a pup, as they say. I think we've all been taught down through the years that we, if we're praying, that we have, to, we have to beat ourselves up. We have to get to a place where we're completely defeated and completely laid bare before God. And we have, to, uh, just, we have to go through all of these motions in order for to get God to hear our prayer. And that's not the truth. Amen? That's not the truth. We can communicate with God just the same as we communicate with loved ones. Because that's our God. Amen? We don't have to shout at him. He's not deaf. We don't have to do any of those things that we may think that we have to do or may have done in the past when we try to communicate in prayer with God. We don't have to do it. Prayer is simply communication and fellowship with God. Do you know that God doesn't expect us to spend 80% of our prayer time either telling him how bad it is? I believe a lot of us spend 80% of our prayer time telling God how bad it is. I think we, we, we go into prayer with God and, and we start to list off all the things that are wrong. List off all the things that are broken. I think we spend 80% of the time that we do spend with God uh, telling God about how bad it is. How bad I need Him to come true for me. How if it, you don't come true for me, God, that's curtains i finish, finished, God. If you don't give me the breakthrough God in my finances God I'm going to lose my home. If you don't give me the breakthrough Lord in my health I'm going to die. I'll be with you. If you don't give me the breakthrough in my relationship and my marriage God it's gone. We 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 tell God about how bad it is. As if he doesn't know. I mean the word of God says he knows and is able to count every hair on your head. Do you think he don't know? if there's something wrong in your body? Do you think that he doesn't know if there's something wrong in your relationships or if there's a need in your life? Do you think he doesn't know that? I think we spend way too much time informing poor, misinformed God about everything that's gone wrong with our lives. And I don't think that's the way we need to communicate with God. We spend 80% 80 of our time Telling God how bad it is, 15% of our time asking Him to meet the need, and 5% praising Him and loving on Him. I mean, think about how that would work in your own personal relationships, with your wife or your husband. If you spent 80% of your time with your wife and your husband, telling them how bad stuff is, telling them how bad it is, how brutal it is, and if you gave them all of the worst-case scenarios, Fifteen percent of the time you spend with your husband then or your wife, you spend imploring them to meet your need. And only five percent of your time loving them. It's a bit out of balance there, isn't it? We spend way too much of our time with God informing them of how bad things are as if he didn't already know. He knows, amen? He knows. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 7, Jesus speaking, he says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. He said, the heathens think that they'll be heard for their many words. I don't want to be a heathen, do you? He said, don't use vain repetitions." He said, you don't have to say it over and over again. He heard you the first time. He said, this is Jesus speaking. This is not me. Praise the Lord. This is not me. It's is Jesus. Jesus said in verse 8, he said, Therefore do not be like them, for your father knows the things you have need of even before you ask him. God knows that you need to heal him. God knows that you need a financial breakthrough. God knows that you need a restoration in your marriage. God knows those things. Not that you shouldn't ask him, but don't spend 80% of your time telling them how bad it is. Amen? He already knows. It's okay to tell him, but don't spend 80% of the time telling them. God knows every need that you have. So when you pray, don't spend 80% of your time. Informing God of how bad it is. He knows. Matthew chapter 6, again in verse 30, further on down in the the chapter. It says, Now if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is shown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things, Jesus says, not me, for after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows what you need. He knows. Amen. And I think if we got a revelation of of God knowing the needs that we have, I think it would turn our prayer life upside down. Because I think we spend so much time in our prayer time informing God about all the things that we need and how bad it is that we only have a short little space in our prayer life there of doing what our prayer life is actually meant to be done or what it's actually meant for. He says, don't do these things. He says, these are the things that the heathens do. And these are the things that the Gentiles seek after. He says, your heavenly Father knows what you need. God knows what you need. He knows what you need, amen. He knows what you need. You know what your kids need, don't you? You do. Before your kids ever ask you for something, you know you, you know what they need. And 99.9% of the time, you've already taken care of what they need before they ask. I mean, what's your view here today? Did your kids have to remind you on Friday to buy food for the rest of the week? None of yous. Which of you's did your kids have to come up to you on Saturday morning and say, Mom or Dad, there's no milk in the fridge. Will you get some milk? We really need milk. Oh, we re- I really need milk. I want to have cornflakes today. Will you please get milk? No, they're already there. Which of you's kids came up and said, Hey, look, there's no clean socks in my drawer. There's no clean underwear in my drawer. I really, I need clean underwear so badly. And they do. But they didn't do that, did they? Which of your kids say, Oh, Mom or dad, will you make sure that there's heat in our home? Will you make sure that the heating and the fire is light and I need it so bad? No, you know why they don't do that? Because you've already taken care of it all, haven't you? You've already done all the shopping. You've already paid all the bills. You've already lit the fire or turned the heating on. You've already done the washing. So how weird would it be if 80% of your kids' time was spent coming to you, asking you to do the things that you'd already done. But what, we, what do we want our kids to do? We want our kids to communicate with us, don't we? We want them to talk to us. We want them to, to love on us. We want them to show their appreciation for us. And we want, we want them to let us love them. That's what communication is. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus said, don't worry about these things. Don't spend all your time worrying about the things that God is taking care of anyway. Learn to approach God from the position of God's already taken care of us. Amen. Amen. When God created Adam and Eve, they didn't run around worrying where their next piece of food was coming from. God had already taken care of us. He'd already taken care of us. But he said, in verse 33, he said, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God didn't say, seek second the kingdom of God. Seek third the kingdom of God. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. And God said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, he said, everything that you'll ever need in your life will be added to you. But you see, We don't do that. We spend 80% of our time communicating our needs to God when God is saying, don't do that. I've taken care of it. Seek first my kingdom. Worship me first. Put me first. Because I've already taken care of these stuff anyway. Church, I think if we turn that on its head, spend 80% of our time loving on God, worshiping God, praising God, communicating with God, telling God how great He is, thanking God for everything that He's done for us, I think our prayer lives would completely shift. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We need to start telling God how great He is and worshiping Him. Rather than trying to always... We're try, it's as if... Could you imagine how God feels sometimes when we spend all of our time with God asking Him to take care of our needs? He must really feel... Did they only just come to me when they have needs? Is, is, I, 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 well, this is God's position, I see. Do they only come to me when they have needs? Do they only pull them? Is all, is all they want me for is to be pulling stuff out of me, getting this need met, getting that need? When will they ever tell me that they love me? When will they ever tell me that they're grateful for everything that they do, I've done for them? When will they ever appreciate me? When will they ever just communicate with me on, on, on a loving father basis? That's what God wants. He wants us to communicate with Him on a loving, father basis. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You see, when Jesus' followers came to Him and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. As we said for the last few weeks, the first thing Jesus did was tell them how not to pray. Because Jesus knew, we're going to have an issue with this. He knew that they're going to spend more time asking me for needs they're going to spend more time praying the way that the gentiles pray because it feels right or or sounds right i don't know whatever or or maybe it looks good on them they're going to spend more time praying the wrong way than the right way so i need to tell them first of all and this is why we've done the first two weeks on this series on how not to pray jesus had to teach them how not to pray first before he could teach them how to pray and I think if we start to use the model prayer, the Our Father that Jesus gave us as our template for prayer will do well. Jesus said, after he teaching them how not to pray, he said, structure your prayer this way. He said, in this manner, therefore, pray. He said, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom the power and the glory amen and if we use that prayer that every one of us has been taught and we know it off by heart if we use that as a template for our prayer i believe we start to see the greatest manifestations of the answers of our prayers than we've ever seen before in our lives amen the model prayer It's called a model prayer because it's a prayer that we can model our prayers off of. Jesus said, when you come to the Father, you praise him. He said, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You acknowledge him as your Father. You say, you're my Father, you're my God, and you love on him from that position. You love on him as your God, your creator, your Father, Your all in all. My Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. And this is how you enter into prayer with God. You put him first. You worship him. You praise him. You give him thanks for everything he's done and who he is to you. That's how we enter into prayer with our God. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I love the way the Passion Translation translates this. It says in verse 10, it says manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth just as it is fulfilled in heaven. Manifest your kingdom realm. We're to ask God to manifest his kingdom realm in our lives. Your kingdom come. Ask God, Lord, I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want the way things are done in heaven to be done all around me. Your kingdom come. I want your will in my life. I want your will in my family. I want your will in my community, in my church. I want your will to be done in everything around me as it is in heaven. I want you to be number one, God. I want you to be number one numero uno in my life, in my family, in everything that is around me. I want you to be number one. Nothing else. I don't want any of my needs. I don't want any of my issues I don't want anything that's happening all around me to take precedence in my life, but I want you, God. That's what the our Father is telling us. But you see, we pray through the our Father so quick, we miss this. But this is how Jesus said we're to pray. We're to put him first. We're to put him first. Ask God to manifest himself in our lives, putting him first. You see, I think for far too long, we've been putting the cart before the horse I think for far too long we've been putting our needs in there before we worship God I think we have and I think for most of us that's where we have made the mistakes Amen we have jumped in there with our needs first without ever acknowledging the needs provider Amen we need to stop putting our needs before God we need to put God first and he'll allow us. There's a place where we, can, where we can do that. You see, if we put our needs before God, then God is not obligated to provide for our needs. Because he told us the way we enter into prayer. That's to put him first. Amen? What we're doing is if we put our needs before we worship God, is we're making gods of our needs. How many of us have made gods of our needs? How many of us have made gods of our needs of, of finances? How many of us have made gods of, of our needs of a breakthrough? We've made gods of our needs. And if we make gods of our needs, then we don't need God. Amen? We need to stop making needs of our gods. Exodus chapter, making gods of our needs. Amen? Exodus 20 verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. And Jesus himself said in Luke chapter 4, He says, You shall serve You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Let's not be slaves to our needs. Let's not put our needs before God. Let's not, when we go to pray, let's not spend 80% of our time exalting our needs before God before we exalt God before our needs. If we exalt our God before our needs, then God said, I'll take care of all your needs. Amen? We should always put our God first. Verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Put God first. And when you put God first place, Jesus said in verse 11 that we can ask God to give us our daily bread. If we put God first, then God said, now you can ask me for your daily bread. We can bring our needs before God. Give us This day, our daily bread. Again, the Passion Translation puts it this way. In verse 11 it said, We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need every day. We acknowledge God as our provider of every need that we have every day. There was a note attached to the Passion Translation, and I love what it said. It said, Bread becomes a metaphor for our needs physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Jesus is teaching us here to acknowledge our Father God as our provider of all of our needs each day. That's what Jesus was teaching us. He was teaching us that we need to acknowledge Jesus. We need to acknowledge God as our provider for every need that we have every day. Once you put God in his place, then God said, now you've created an environment where you now can bring your needs before God. But put him first. Then bring your needs before God. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. Lord, I ask you to give me everything that I need this day. Whether it be healing. Whether it be a financial breakthrough. Whether it be another kind of breakthrough. Whatever it may be. God said through Jesus, once you put God first. Now you can bring your needs before God. Give us this day our daily bread. Or everything that we need. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that, that's absolutely, that's, that's mind-blowing. Like God said, you put me first and ask me for whatever you need. And we know, we were the same as parents. If all our kids ever did with us is come and pull on us, give me this, 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 we get very tired of it eventually. You know, we do our best to, to provide their needs for the first couple of times they'd ask. But if all they ever did was keep on coming and asking and then not saying thank you when you provided it, they kind of get fed up with that, wouldn't you? If the only relationship that you had with your kids is when they had a need, then you get fed up with it. I'm not saying that God gets fed up with us in any way, but, but we do the same. Amen? So we shouldn't approach God that way. Because God says, I take care of all your needs, but you need to put God first. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 19 says, it says, And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God wants to provide your needs. He's a provider through Jesus. He's well able. And we have access to that provision through communication with God in prayer. You know, when we pray, there's a certain position that we need to take. And I'm not talking about a physical position. Hebrews chapter four and verse 16 instructs us. It says, "Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need." You'd think sometimes to hear some people praying that Hebrews 14:60 or 4:16 didn't appear in their Bible. You would. Because to hear some people pray, you would think that that wasn't in the Bible. Because they pray in a kind of a way that's a fearful way of praying. They pray in a kind of way, oh Lord, how, how, how bad I am, Lord God, and, and Lord, I know that you couldn't look on me after what I did last week. And I know, God, I'm, I'm bad, I know I done this, I know I done that. I, 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 know, I know, God, how undeserving I am. Begging, pleading, crying before God in prayer. My personal favorite is, if it be your will, God. When we pray, if we pray according to God's word, it's according to his will. Amen? If we pray according to God's word, it's according to his will. God is there. He's on our side. Amen? He's not against this in any way. He's not wanting to withhold from us. He's wanting to give to us. But we're the ones that ties God's hands when it comes to our provisions being met. Amen? We've got to remember that the word of God says when we pray... We don't come into the throne room of God meekly or fearfully. It says we come boldly. Amen. We come boldly into the throne room of God. Like there's a huge difference, isn't there? With someone who comes meekly, you know, I, I don't really deserve it. I know, I know, you can kick me out here now, and I don't know, if you, I don't know, if you say no, that's okay, you know. There's a huge difference in that and coming boldly. It's the difference between someone who has nothing and owes millions coming to the bank that they owe millions to and looking for more money. They know that this bank manager is not going to want to see me and when I ask him for more money he is 100% sure going to say no. So you come meekly. And there's a difference between that and someone who owns the bank coming looking for money. I mean he swings that door open Before he even gets to the counter, he says, hey you, I want money, put it out there now. That's what it means to come boldly. Another way of looking at it is someone who comes meekly or or someone who comes the way some of the ways we've been coming to God, someone who comes that way, comes with this thief mentality. Comes with, I know it's not mine, I know I don't deserve it, but you know what, I might sneak some out anyway. And the way God wants us to come to Him is as sons and daughters. And I know in your own home, your sons and daughters don't ask you when they want to get cereal. They don't ask you when they want to get a drink of water. They don't ask you when they want to turn the TV on. They do it anyway. Why? Because they're fully confident, I can do this. We need to get this attitude when we come to God. That the Word of God says that we, you and I, We have access to the very throne room of God and we are to come boldly there to the throne room of God. Knowing that we belong there. Knowing that when God sees us coming in there with our needs, that he's not going to go, you again, is it? Knowing that he'll go, oh, my son, my daughter, welcome. What can I do for you? We need to come boldly. Amen? Because God is not holding anything against us. He's not out to put us down. He's not out to knock us down. Church, we have VIP access to the very throne room of God. VIPs we are. He's expecting us. Amen? Amen? He's expecting us. God is expecting you. We have the access. Don't throw away your access. Because as we said at the very start, the enemy's a liar. He's the accuser of the brethren. And he wants you to come meekly. He wants you not to come at all in actual fact. He wants you to get to a place where you're so fearful of, of, of a, a, a God that you won't even come at all. But God says we are to come boldly. Not that we deserve it in ourselves, but because of Jesus we deserve it. Amen. He gives us access. Amen? God provided it all. Amen? We need to get it into our heads that God is taking care of it all. Everything. He has supplied all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Church, we need to change the way that we approach God in prayer. We need to realize that, that God has stored up answers for us. He has stored up a heavenly storehouse for us in heaven. Every one of us. It's filled with all the answers to every prayer that you're ever going to ask. And I know when our day comes and when we stand before God, I want to see my storehouse empty. I don't want to see my cobwebs on my storehouse. I don't want to see stuff coming out the door still because I never asked for it. I never learned how I should approach God. I never, I never sought God. I never worshipped God. I never, I never praised God. I never, I never approached God in the right way. So therefore... The storehouse of the answers to the prayers that I have for God is, is, is full. I want it to be empty. And I want each of your storehouse to be empty too. God's desire for you is to answer every one of your prayers. God is not holding back. In actual fact, we're the ones that, that are holding back God. Amen? Psalm 100, it says, and we we'll close with this. It says, we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. To Be thankful to him and bless his name. Amen.